the 2019 Pitt Panthers have goals of repeating as ACC Coastal Division champions, a top 25 finish, and a significant bowl victory. Fans and critics will judge the Panthers based on how they fare against these challenges laid out for them. But one game, the game, this Saturday against their biggest rival can shine a bright light on the season regardless of what happens the rest of the way. It's Pitt Penn State! That and more on this week's Hail to Pitt podcast. Excited to get our first win under our belt last week. Obviously a big game this week. You know, looking forward to, to heading out to uh, Happy Valley and playing a very good football team. Like I said, it's something every week, but uh, let's hope it's zero this week. And it's, that's, that's why we practice. That's why we coach. You know, like I said, if it was easy, they, you know, coaches, we wouldn't need, we wouldn't need coaches. We'd just, you know, I'll be at the swimming pool right now hanging out, you know, having a hot dog. Jump on the bus on Friday. We, it's close enough to get on the bus. We don't have to go wait at an airport. We don't have to get go through customs. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to empty our pockets. We, you know, we jump on the bus and we go. And it's a big game. I mean, it's it's another game for us, but it's a big game because it's a rivalry game in state. You know, I'm going to emphasize to our kids: you might be the last team to ever get to play this game. Hell to pit. Hell to pit. This is the week of September 14th, and this is the Hail to Pit Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Vince. And I'm Pam. Pitt achieved their first victory of the season as the Panthers took down Mac Favorite, Ohio, in a 20-10 victory this past Saturday at Heinz Field. Pitt is 1-1 one one as all eyes turn towards the middle of the state. The Panthers will do battle with evil personified for the 100th and maybe final time this is what they mean when they say big noon kickoff it's time to hate and beat penn state oh here we are biggest game of the year if you ask anybody and i'm ready i hope you are and the best part about it pam is there's no tsa or customs you got to go through to watch this one no, not at all. Just jump on a bus on Friday and you're you're in the middle of the state. And as the week goes on, tweet at us at H2P Show and let us know your thoughts on the game, what what you think's going to happen, your thoughts on Penn State and maybe how you feel about them uh, during this game. Please let us know. Yes, please, please let us know how you really feel about Penn State. I love hearing how a Pitt fan feels about Penn State at H2P Show. And of course, leave a five-star, 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 five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it and tell any Panther fan you know, friend or family member or stranger to listen to the Hail to Pitt podcast at H2P Show on 
everywhere. All the social medias were there. And we are also brought to you by Pretty Easy Podcasts. PrettyEasyPodcasts.com is where you can go to start your own podcast today. Get your own personal producer. You don't have to worry about learning any of the technical stuff behind making a podcast. You just turn your microphone, talk, and put a show together. Be creative and let all the uh, heavy lifting Get done by the people at Pretty Easy Podcasts. Go to prettyeasypodcasts.com to get your podcast started today. And today, uh, you know, full disclosure, Vince, we are, what, T-minus, I think, a little over two days and change before kickoff in Crappy Valley. It is perhaps the final time. You think the final time in our lifetime that Pitt will play Penn State? Quite possibly, it's... Pretty much the biggest game ever, if that's the case to me. Yeah, I mean, we may have been saying that 20 years ago, and lo and behold, here we are right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's certainly going to be the first time to- or the last time in a long time. No doubt about that. Uh, the biggest rivalry game for, for both teams uh, going down this Saturday, big noon kickoff. It's going to be something to see. It is. And Pitt got that first win under their belt. They didn't have the 0 4 start that. I alluded to a few weeks ago, Pam. So, so that's that's good. That didn't happen. Everybody's happy. They got the win. Now it's time to shock the world. This would be a shocker more so than the win uh, a few years ago, right? This this would be a big one. We're gonna dive right into Penn State as soon as we recap this first victory. And this first victory saw a lot of awesome things. I th- I thought when it came to uh, people stepping up, uh, people taking. Uh, hold of of their position and shown that they can be reliable Vince most notably those two date those two Davises really excited for the running backs yeah yeah uh AJ Davis you know at the starter once again got the bulk of the work but Vincent Davis uh true freshman running back out of Florida uh this kid made a lot of plays a lot of nice runs he scored a touchdown this past week uh he's listed now as a co-starter running back for whatever that's worth uh, but you got to like the, the shiftiness of this guy, bringing something a little bit different to the backfield. Uh, I think he's got the ability to run inside or outside, uh, maybe even particularly inside, which I think is going to be very important this past, this coming week. Yeah, I'm glad they named him a co-starter. He looked good against Ohio. And on the flip side, Sibley did not. He looks slow. He just doesn't. I mean, I know he's more of a power back, but he doesn't he doesn't look good. So I'm glad they're they're making that shift to Vincent Davis because he's looked good so far this year, um, especially this past week against Ohio. I'm excited for what he can do and give a little bit of explosiveness to this offense that's yeah. lacking that. Yeah, big playability is much needed right now, and that is developing. And the the Davis, uh, I guess, twins, if you want to call them that, are showing that they're capable of some some jukies, some fast twitch. But we need we need Sibley to step up too, because Pitt's going to need some power running. As we saw, there was a moment where it was short yardage, and they struggled against the sh- a yeah. smaller defensive line in Ohio. Um, and then on the other side, with the defensive line for Pitt, with all the injuries and the young defensive lines coming along. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Keyshawn Camp, uh, defensive tackle, he's going to be out for the season, so that leaves a hole there. Uh, uh, Jalen Twyman had a huge game this past week, three sacks. Wait, uh, that was Jalen. That that wasn't Aaron Donald. It was ninety-seven. <laughs> I saw it. They work out together. Who it, would know? It looked like him at times. 
and uh, you know him and Amir Watts holding it down there. But we need more guys in that rotation. E- excellent play inside there, and he's going to need to bring it this week. You know, we're going to hear from Pat Narduzzi some of what he said at the press conference about the D line, and he's tempering his expectations. It is they're young, they're facing adversity, but I got to say, still now two weeks in. My favorite part of the team right now. I thought they did a great job, and the linebackers also shown they could they could fly around, they could run around. They're quick, and they're I, I think multiple. They're deep. Pitt, Pitt's got a lot of them. Chase Pine stepping up last week. Yeah, playing some some middle linebacker uh, a little bit. Uh, didn't see Celine Brightwell at all, uh, so maybe that's uh, why, why we're seeing that. Um, I, I thought the linebackers overall have played pretty good over pursuing a little bit, I, I think, on, on some running plays. But I'll tell you something right now. Uh, and, and we were watching uh, when we were, me and Pam were watching the replay of this game. You could really see, you know, they, these guys shoot the gaps and shoot them fast. You know, they, they can get downhill very quickly and make plays. Yeah, I've been really imp- impressed with the defense, especially the front of this defensive group. The only issue, and we talked about it while we were watching the replay of the game, was they need to start to force some turnovers yeah. and really um, get that going, especially to help out the offense as well. They still have no turnovers, correct, through two games. Right. Yeah, that's that's going to be uh, needed, quite frankly, this week. If you're going to pull off an upset where you're a big dog the way Pitt is, you need turnovers. You need to wreak havoc, cause mistakes, and uh, this is this is going to be the first time they do it if they can get it done. But the def- the defense has been stingy at least, and uh, now uh, biggest test of the year coming up. Uh, the Ohio game, though, they were supposed to be uh, tested. Uh, that Ohio offense, I thought, looked uh, pretty anemic. That uh, the quarterback Rourke. Wasn't really impressive. The pit handled the, the zone options and all that. The, the RPOs, Vince, pretty well. They still only won by 10, but I think if you watch that game, it felt like Pitt could have won by a whole lot more. They just didn't capitalize on some opportunities. Yeah, you know, they outgained Ohio by uh, almost 270 yards. Uh, so, so they, you know, really controlling the game uh, just didn't. There were times where they, you know, they could have really. Uh, you know, really cashed in and, and scored a few more points. It didn't happen. Of course, there was that drop, Ugh. easy pick six oh my. And, and, uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, but the, I think the good thing about this is, you know, they weren't – obviously you want to see them score more points, but the good thing is that they weren't really ever in danger of, of losing this game. Uh, they, it's not like they got on them real early, but by halftime, you know, they really had this game in control. Yeah. But they need to – tighten it up a little bit they have too many penalties especially pre-snap penalties the first play of the game was an offensive line uh false start correct it was just it's a little sloppy there and you're not going to upset a team Mm -hmm. when you go in as a big underdog with that many pre-snap penalties um each and every week it's just not going to happen so they need to be a more disciplined team especially up front there yeah, Pitt was never in danger, but there was a lot of slop, and I was in danger sitting in your two season tickets of getting kicked out and getting you banned from Heinz Field because <laughs> I was angry a lot for because of some of the slop, because of some missed opportunities, and then there was a baffling call that a lot of people are talking about. Narduzzi made, and he he took full responsibility for it, but obviously. Uh, it had, was a head scratcher. Yeah, you could say it's a bad decision. I'll take it. My, my fault. That's why, you know, every week there's stuff you make a decision and 
you know, I'd say one out of ten times, one out of seven times you might make that decision based on what the game is and who you're playing. You know, third and five, we take a sack. It's like, hey, why didn't you take the fourth, fourth and one, coach? That was dumb. So I don't know. Does Pitt make that decision? Does Narduzzi make that decision, Vince, if it's the Penn State game and not Ohio? Taking the, the fourth and one over the third and, and medium? I, I don't know. I, he may still do the same thing, uh, you know, just to make a statement. Uh, um, you, you know, he, he's, he's not shy about, you know, going for it on, on fourth it, and short. It depends if you're pushing a team around. And Pitt wasn't really pushing Ohio around at that point. At least not at that point in the game. Yeah. So that's what was odd to me. But eh, no harm, no foul. A lot of penalties, though, like we said, there were, what, 10? 10 penalties? Yeah. Uh, but the defense, defense, as we said, Pam, looked tough. We're, I'm, I'm super high on the defensive line already. How about you? Are you are you tempering expectations or are you super-duper high already on a on a group that's all, faced two huge injuries? No, I'm, I'm not tempering expectations, which is rare for me. I'm usually the person trying to keep everything in check around here. But I'm super hyped about this offensive line. Shout out to Pat Bostic, who on our show said this was going to be the best unit of this team. And yeah. it's proven right. I've been really impressed, not only with how they've held um, – I mean, they – held Virginia in check, relatively speaking, held Ohio, but just how they look. They look like they are getting that pressure up front and they're there stopping the run. And that's something that this team has lacked and in the past has put too much pressure on the back end of the defense. So the guys in the back end, like Paris Ford and DeMar Hamlin, can kind of not relax, but they can um, not fear that they're not going to have enough time. The front line is giving them plenty of time up here. So while we could get super duper hype for Aaron Donald Jr. and the TJ Dragon, Pat Narduzzi, not quite as hype just yet, but you can never, as a coach, you can't get too high or too low. Here's what Narduzzi said when asked about the defensive line's performance under the gun so far with injuries. It's not what it was, but it's building into something. Um, you know, Devin Danielson, I was uh, real impressed with how he played. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I think it'll get better. We got some young guys in there that are just playing their first games. You know, I think that's something you have to look at. And it's, uh, it's not what we wanted to be. Uh, it's not where we wanted to be. But, you know, Coach Partridge done a nice job. And, and we'll just continue to get better every week, I think, with those young guys playing for us. I think we could guarantee they're going to get better. That group looking good. Kenny Pickett. Looking all right, 300-yard day. Is that? Am I looking at this stat sheet right, Vince? Kenny Pickett threw for over 200 yards? Not, over not just two, but 300 yards? Yeah, yeah, believe it or not. Uh, it, it didn't really feel like it, I guess, during no, the game. No, not at all. Uh, some, some shaky passes, I thought, a couple of times where he didn't have as much zip on it as I would have liked to see. But, Alan, I, I got to ask your, your opinion on this. To me, it looked like whenever he had, you know, was decisive and stepped up and made a throw. He, he was very accurate, I thought. Uh, a huge difference from, from the previous game. Huge difference. Looked confident. That's why. Kenny Pickett looked confident when he was throwing. He wasn't putting too much zip. He forced a couple early on. The beginning of the game, definitely not as good as he got. He got into the groove. The drops didn't help uh, You know, Kenny Pickett in, in that situation. He could have had maybe a lot more yards. Uh, but he was utilizing more guys too, he, and he wasn't forcing anything. 
I mean, throw into the tight end when they were open, throw into the crossing routes when those were open, even if they were there were drops before, and being fairly accurate a couple times down the field, uh, not trying to do too much, not panicking under pressure e- either too much. Kenny Pickett settled in. Uh, still lots of work to do, obviously, but uh, much improvement over week one for me when it came to Kenny Pickett and uh, you see by the result, Pitt wins. Pitt probably, Pam, going to go as Kenny Pickett goes this entire season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this. If Pitt put up 40 points as opposed to 20, would you feel more confident going into this week? Or did you see enough out of the offense to feel better than after week one? I, I saw enough to feel better. I don't, I don't think it makes a, a, I would have liked to see them run a ball, run the ball in the first half a little bit better. But, you know, I, I kind of saw, you know, it, it's not like it was a night and day difference. And I don't know if scoring 40 points uh, with the way they were playing would have made much difference. Yeah, I will say uh, I was thinking about both of you uh, during the first half when it came to because we had a conversation about, uh, you know, the game plan last week and throwing too much. I felt that I did not feel that way after the UVA game. Definitely felt that way after the first half of the Ohio game, a little too much thrown against a team that, you know, the Davis and Davis were ready. You could see it. They were, they had, they had, they had the jukies going. They had, they had the legs. They looked like they were just going to outrun players on Ohio's defense. They were able to make guys miss and they just weren't going to them. And eventually they do. And those guys kind of, you know, took over, controlled the clock at the end. They squeezed the life out of the clock. Uh, But, but I thought, uh, you know, the, the first half, what you know, you you two hit it at the what you were saying about the UVA game, you could apply that more so, I think, to the Ohio game, the first half of the Ohio game when it came to the game plan. Yeah, yeah, it, it just it seemed like it, yeah, they they're thrown too much, but then you know they finally got settled down, got a little bit more balanced. And, and Alan, what I want to touch on is he said they you know, they squeezed the clock at, at the end of the game. And, you know, they ran out the past, the last, you know, five or six minutes uh, just running the ball. And I think that that is absolutely huge. You know, when you have a lead like that and you got the ball and the other team knows you're going to run or they know whatever you're going to do and, and you're able to just do it effectively and keep the clock going, extend drives. That's huge. It was amazing. I could not believe Ohio wasn't calling timeout. Were they that gassed? Were they that beat up? Was Pitt's offensive line that good, Pam, that Ohio didn't even – they left, what, how many – I think they left two, maybe all three of their timeouts on the clock by the end of the game. I think actually it was two. They had two left, and they didn't even use them. They just said, ah, screw this. We're not stopping them. We're done. Yeah, and they they were able to squeeze the clock like we talked about. And prior to the – after the UVA game, our concern was that – they threw too much initially, um, especially starting out. But it's great to see that this team does have the capability of being able to run when they absolutely need to, when they have that clock. But it was just the insistence on uh, the run in the past that really hurt this team. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting game because Pitt did not win by that much. They covered. Uh, but they did not, you know, they didn't get the 40 points on the board. I don't think it would have mattered either way. Pitt, Pitt is going to have to take, I think, a giant leap 
from the Ohio game to win this week against Penn State. Even if there was 40 points scored, it was a 40-10 to 10 win, it would have been the same big leap needed because this is a, just a different kind of test that they're facing this week, Vince. Yeah, it, this is going to be a, a big challenge, a, a big step up uh, uh, in class for, from Ohio, no doubt. But you know, one thing we'll, we'll say, and we'll probably get into this here, is Pitt is battle-tested. I will say, you know, they played a very good Virginia club uh, in the first game, and and this Ohio team, you know, Pitt was able to soundly beat them, but they're they're not going to be any pushover uh, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah as opposed to Penn State's okay. first two games. <laughs> first game, they crushed University of Idaho, scoring seventy nine <laughs> points, but and then they played University of Buffalo, um, which isn't. A great team, better than Idaho. They were able to win 45-13. Um, they struggled a little in the first half and then kind of pulled away in that one. So Pitt is a lot more battle-tested because Ohio is better than either one of those teams Yes, um, as well, let alone the matchup they had against Virginia. So I do – I'm a big believer in – uh, when teams are battle tested, it works out better when they're going against a bigger opponent than a team that walks in, um, you know, not battle tested. I believe I believe in playing a strong strength of schedule as well. So I think Pitt definitely. Well, you did say you know Penn State has faced some adversity though. You know they they were you know losing at the half to this Buffalo team, University of Buffalo, uh, and, and Buffalo did outgain them uh, in this game. Uh, by a total of 429 yards to 357 yards. Uh, so it is kind of strange to see, you know, Penn State won big on the scoreboard at the end of the game. But that first half, that was no joke. They were in a dogfight. How do you get that many yards and only come up with 13 points, Buffalo? Come yeah. on. <laughs> I think, yeah, but that that that's true. Penn State, uh, you know, they fought back and they were probably kicking themselves that they gave up that many yards to Buffalo. Uh, Pitt, I think, you know, there's nothing statistically that stands out from, I think, either the Ohio or UVA game that makes Pitt look like, you know, they're uh, weak anywhere. You know, they're they're susceptible, but I think Pitt has shown that they can, uh, they, they, they could quell, uh, you know, any, they could stop bleeding. They could prevent bleeding. Penn State shows that they can bleed. They can bleed. They can give up a ton of yards. There's a big opportunity there for Pitt's offense, and I think also, of course, in the eternal battle for conference supremacy, that UVA game week one, hopefully, Pam, that says a lot about the ACC. Hopefully, the ACC is legitimately legitimately that competitive and on the level or better than the Big Ten, and we see Pitt you know, come into this game a little grizzled and ready for Penn State, who is, a, what, a 17-point favorite we're talking about here, and... A team that put up 79 points in a game is no joke. I don't care if they played a team from a state where where it's the population of Idaho. Half of Pittsburgh. I don't know how many people live there. but Five. Five, maybe. Sean Clifford, the quarterback, though, his his first real test more than anybody, I think we could say. And another PSU running quarterback who... You know, was the did he lead them in rushing in both of these games, or at least last week, Vince? That last last week he did uh, fifty one yards on the ground against Buffalo for for Clifford. Uh, it didn't have to run as much in their in their first game against Idaho. He he threw for some big yards and and a lot of their 
running backs got, got the ball there. It seemed like everybody got in that game. Uh, but yeah, and and he had a huge run against Buffalo uh, that really helped you know put them ahead. So yeah, that's something that we got to be accounted for here. Uh, maybe not a burner, but you know uh, a bigger a bigger frame that could run through people. Yeah, and they were able to contain Bryce Perkins, which I think for a running yeah. quarterback is probably one of their point. biggest challenges of the year. And this and guy's then, no Bryce Perkins, Pam, for no, sure. Right, no, oh, not yeah. at all, especially on the ground. And then Rourke was supposed to be a running quarterback. I mean, they did talk a lot and brought a doctor on about how he had strep throat. So, <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. So, um, but per, the, I was very – very well impressed on how they were able to contain Perkins. So I think that bodes well for them being able to contain Clifford in this game, especially um, when he's scrambling. And if the back end of the defense is able to provide coverage, um, hopefully they can contain him up front. But I think you hinted, we've been talking around what I think the biggest key for Pitt is this week. You talked about how the Penn State defense gave up so many yards to Buffalo when so they prove they can bend, but maybe they don't break. When Pitt is in that red zone, they have yeah. to get three or seven as opposed to three. They cannot let up, just score three points. They have to get that seven, or in some cases, they have to get three. They can't walk away with zero when they're when they flip the field. They have to do that because this Penn State defense, so far, I mean, especially against Buffalo, has proven they'll let up the yards, but you have to score those points when you have the opportunity. Yeah, kicking is for losers, as some say. Uh, but I, w- I will say this: I, I think you know through the first two games, Pitt's defense has demonstrated they are are a, a top a top defense here. And so I, I don't think we're really in jeopardy of giving up tons of points. I don't think this game is, is going to turn into a shootout by any stretch. So, you know, yes, if Pitt gets down in the red zone, they got to capitalize. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, you know, if, if they're not scoring every time either, I don't think they're going to be in danger of getting behind in this game by too much. So in terms I think of the defense, will keep them in it. So in terms of, of threats from Penn State, uh, I guess we're looking at Hamler or, or Ricky Slade as the most dangerous guys, and you don't think Penn State is going to be able to put up the kind of points they've put up the last two years against Pitt? I, 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 don't, I don't think so. Uh, and, and specifically if you look at the, fir- uh, the first game of the season last year, uh, or, or the, the game last year in the first half, I should say, um, Penn State did not score that many points. Uh, it was only leading by a little bit at halftime. I think they have like around 14. I can't uh, remember exactly what the score was. But, uh, and, I, and you could even argue Pitt outplayed them there. If it wasn't for some terrible special teams gaffes, uh, Pitt probably would have been le- uh, leading uh, at the half there. So I, I think you know, Pitt's defense is going to be able to contain these guys for the most part. But, yeah, you talked about KJ Hamler. This guy is is a tremendous wide receiver, uh, especially from that slot position. And I, I think that may, in terms of Penn State's office offense, I think that's what I'm most concerned about because it seems like we always have trouble uh, containing some of these slot receivers. And it could be just the nature of this defensive scheme. And so I'm not quite sure who's going to be guarding this guy or or what they plan on doing doing to stop him. But they got to do something. Yeah, that dude, K.J. Hamler, averaging 20, over 25 yards a catch. Uh, big play, big playability there. P- 
Penn State really hasn't found their go-to back yet. They've got a bunch of guys with carries. Devin Ford is seemingly their home run hitter. He's got the you know the most the the most yards for running back on their team, but you know not not the most carries. I guess that would go to Journey Brown. So they haven't they're still shuffling through their offense to figure out their playmakers. And Pitt has I think uh, be, the most equipped defense so far they've had when it comes to uh, just man for man with Penn State's offense, yeah. which has been very good uh, the past few years. And then we're also talking about. Uh, a pit offense that is going to I'm telling you they've had the opportunities already they're going to have them again guys open uh you know pat throws that are there for Kenny Pickett to make those that that Kenny Pickett will make and I think this is going to come down to catching the dang old ball Pam too many drops and the drops seriously we would be talking about a a way a way closer line in Vegas for sure if Pitt would have just caught some balls in these first two games yeah, and it seems to be a problem with both teams in the south side facility catching the ball. But let me ask you this. I mean, looking at the offense, Penn State has a very strong front seven. Does that concern you with Pitt's offensive line? When yeah. Virginia started to pressure, that's when Pickett started to be a little erratic. They need to have like a quick read there or maybe bring in an extra blocker or something. I mean, the fullback Rashad Wheeler's hurt. We're not sure about him. I'm just a little concerned about the offensive line um, and Pickett. When he gets pressured, he's proven time and time again. That's when he gets like very jittery. Yeah, Alan, I'd I'd like to ask you this, what you would do scheme-wise in this situation because – yeah, Penn State, I, I think the strength of their defense, from what I could see, is on the edge. Uh, Shaka Tony and, and Matos on the outside at end. And then uh, Micah Parsons and, and Braun, they're, they're outside linebackers, very aggressive, uh, long, athletic guys. Uh, in, what do you do to combat that? Is that something that you would uh, – you got to do some screen passes, some mix, misdirection. How do you slow these guys down? Yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what Whipple comes up with, and hopefully he's uh, you know been kind of basic so far. Maybe that's why we've seen uh, you know a lot of the throws that throwing that he's had, and, and not a whole lot of creativity in the run game. So let's hope for some creativity in the run game because I think Pitt's gonna have to rely heavily on AJ and Vince Davis in this game to really set up Kenny Pickett because in in order to avoid getting rushed. You're going to need some play action in well, there. So that's what I'm hoping for. Well, Alan, I guess you, you and Pam, I want to ask you both this question. You know, the first game against Virginia, uh, Pitt could not handle the the blitzing that, from Virginia. Now, that was a, a, out of a 3-4 scheme. Uh, so it's a little bit different. But they, they could not handle it. Uh, as, uh, specifically, you know, s- some of the uh, you know, outside offensive linemen. Uh, we got to do something different here. We can't have a repeat uh, of that performance for sure. Yeah. I don't know if it's bringing in an extra blocker or just having a quick, quick option. Maybe it's a quick wheel or someone quick in the slot, or maybe like will Greg staying back um, real quick in the middle there open. They need to have that quick option for Pickett, and he needs to know what his quick option is. But at the same time, he can't force it there. He's just got to throw it out of bounds if he gets too much. What? No, he yeah. tends to, when he gets pressured. This happened against Virginia. He tends to make those really bad throws that 
or basically to the other team and you're like, what are you doing? So he needs that quick option, but he also has to be comfortable throwing it out of bounds or um, calling out of it, audible and out of it if possible. And, and before we get to you, Alan, that, it's interesting you bring that up. I, as of this live on tape podcast, I was listening to Pat Narduzzi's radio show and uh, Pat Bostic was on and he presented a stat that he had from Pro Football Focus saying that uh, when Kenny Pickett gets rid of the ball in 2.6 seconds or less, he has, uh, in that amount of time, he has the ninth best QB rating in the entire country. I believe it. It's, <laughs> so, it's, I, I, now, why they pick 2.6, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but yeah, it goes with what you're saying, that you know, if, if the decision-making is there and decisive, he's capable of delivering a good ball. Yeah, I think so. But also, if Mark Whipple gives him the chance, you know, puts him in those situations and calls those plays and doesn't have six-yard drops and throw throw the ball deep and Kenny Pickett overthrows it or gets sacked. And also, if guys catch the ball. Kenny Pickett has been put in those quick passing uh, you know, situations. They've pl- called those plays, and guys have dropped the ball in the first two weeks. So they're going to call those plays. I think they, they've set up a passing attack that – you know, we've seen it. That's that's what Pitt's going to do when it comes to the passing game. In terms of creativity, I think we haven't seen anything when it comes to incorporating uh, play fakes or Valique Carter or guys like that in the slot or in motion. You know, that's I think where we're going to see this week is a little bit more creativity uh, using guys to use speed to get around the edge guys to beat them. Uh, hopefully, but that's going to be tough. So Kenny pick the two point six seconds. I mean, that's. How, why that number? I don't. I don't. I just say yeah, I, <laughs> it's you got to take what the defense gives you. And so far, well, in the situations where Pitt has, they've failed in terms of executing uh, a lot. Uh, and that's and that's what they've got to clean up against Penn State. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think that's going to be huge. Is that the execution has got to be there? Uh, you know, we're talking about making some quick passes. Uh, you know, to kind of slow down a rush. But at the same time, I think that big play has to be there because I think this defense from Penn State's too tough to just dink and dunk the whole way down the field. Uh, I'm not, I'm not intre- incredibly confident in that. Uh, you know, we saw it. We talked about a lot from the first game, you know, guys like Maurice French getting deep uh, and behind the defense, but, but Pickett just couldn't hit him. That's got, that's got to change here. And one other uh, – and may, maybe what we got to do – and talked about quick passes, and I think could be a big play is something like a bubble screen. And I don't really care who it's to, but just to slow down those rushers. Well, Maurice French French had a big play um, against Ohio, yeah. and it was a quick pass, and then he was able to create and yeah. go. And as opposed to getting him deep, I like those quicker options better. What kind of personnel do you think they're going to go offensively the majority of this game? That's a good question. I mean, it, it, I you, could see, I mean. you spread wide if, if you're so worried about that front seven? Is Whipple going to have, you know, uh, a fullback back there? And are they just going to go pound him right in the, you know, r- go right at him to free up uh, some, some play fakes? Or are they going to just keep doing what they're doing a lot where they've got the one tight end there? And I, I'm interested I to actually- see if they change it up. I actually could see them occasionally going wide and putting Vincent Davis in a receiver position because he does have that ability to make plays and he could be that quick 
bubble screen option. Oh, okay. um, I could see them doing that a, uh, a few times. I don't see I don't see them straying too much from what they've been doing, but I do see them going wide a bunch, like maybe five wide, occasionally using a running back. Uh, back there, maybe using some motion to mix it up, as opposed to pounding it. Or well, could we okay, see go more? Ahead, Alan. Could we see more tight end? I mean, those guys have been—they were open at least yeah. last week. And, and you know, I—I I think you've got two guys who look, appear to be able to, you know, get some yards after the catch. Some big guys who, and if they catch the ball, could be really dangerous in this game for Pitt. Yeah, they're either getting open or nobody's cover, covering them. One of the two, but either way, that's a good situation that the guys are at least getting open. Uh, we talk, we're talking a lot about, you know, this outside rush for Penn State. So I will throw out, you know, I think this should at least be considered to see if you could do it, is our, our good old-fashioned just running straight and, and just, you know, just ponding it right yeah. in, into the heart of their defense, which could be the more weaker part. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very concerned about running outside here. I don't think that we have – uh, maybe the pulling guards capable uh, and to match up with that kind of uh, athleticism on the outside. And I think if we're going to have success running the ball, I think it's going to be running just straight at him. I will say I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's a possibility, but so far, I, even with Jimmy Morrissey right there in the middle, Pitt's offensive line does not look as vicious as they have I know. At, in the past couple of years. They don't look as physically dominant and are, I don't know if they're capable of, of that. Are they just going through growing pains? Or is Pitt off, Pitt's offensive line just not that kind of offensive line anymore? At least not right now. I, I think they're much. I think they're more athletic than what they had uh, last year, for sure. Um, and I think the, the technique is probably there. And, and in time, they'll be better pass blocking. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But... Uh, Maybe they're not mature enough to just go out there and, and just push people around. I, I, I'm I not sure yet. Can't tippy-toe in a game like this. You have to – I mean, if, if Pitt's offensive line is going to play mean at all this season, it's going to be this game. And uh, let's also hope no penalties. You can't let the emotion of 100 matchups and the final time you ever get – anybody gets to play this team, uh, you know oh, – over overwhelm you you gotta be you gotta be focused but fired up at the same time it's a fine line if you're a player me i'm gonna lose my absolute skull i'm gonna just go nuts i'm gonna be going crazy this is the biggest thing ever and it could be the last time in our lifetime we see Pitt play penn state wvu's coming back and that's a different kind of hatred i think there's more respect there this is just really oh man i am I just don't like it. I don't like th- that that school. I don't like their fans. I I it was the best feeling in the world seeing James Conner and Pitt defeat them in that first game after so many years off. And if they could beat them the last game before so many years off, it might be even sweeter. This is going to be very special, uh, and I, I'm just I'm I'm going to be sweating, yelling. Uh, my in-laws are in town or future in-laws are in town. So I want to apologize to them beforehand for all the bad things I say about Penn state, which I'm surprised I haven't said on this show yet. Pam, are you proud of me? I'm proud of both of you. Actually, this was a, 
a reason that I had to make sure I had to move some scheduling around to make sure to be here to keep both of you in line. I mean, I don't like them either, uh, but I don't, I don't feel it's necessary to say, say some things that both of you have said off, off pod um, about them, especially in a, a more professional setting. I don't like them. And I think Pitt needs to let the play speak for that. Let me share a little story. Uh, last night or a few nights ago, we were out to dinner with some family and we're standing in the parking lot, just BSing after dinner. And Vince uh, had a pit polo on from work. It said pit and this jag off walked by uh, hyping up Penn state. And I was very proud of Vince for not going after him. So let, let the play on the, the top play on the field, uh, do the talking this week. Vince is, is this, this hatred for Penn state uh, different from, the hatred for West Virginia for you? And is it more intense? Yeah, it, it's way more intense. You know, people from West Virginia, they're just hillbillies. They, you know, they can't, they can't help themselves. You know, that's just who they are, but they're tough and you got to respect them for that. Uh, Penn state and their fans are, are just, you know, the story that you said summed it up perfectly, Pam, uh, they're just, you know, very arrogant people and, and, Hopefully, you know, we could get this victory here and and it'll even the series, you know, here for the last time, two to two, even though they probably won't admit it. Let me ask you guys a question. What do you think of uh, James Franklin's comments this week about possibly exploring some neutral field options? Was that we don't want to have to play someone other than Idaho um, no, in the non-conference, not, like not why, why, why would they do neutral field? Just do home and home. He, he does. He's just saying that. <laughs> just to, what neutral know. field that you yeah, play? It makes no sense. If you play in Philadelphia, that's not neutral. If you play at Heinz Field, obviously that's not neutral. So where are you going to play this? J- Johnstown, Breezewood, yeah, I, yeah I, like Breezewood. <laughs> I don't know. That's why I don't understand. He's, What's, just, he's just blowing smoke. I know he's you blowing know? smoke, but I just thought I'd raise it. You know, where are you going to play in Youngstown, Ohio? Like, let's get out of the state. Like, I don't get it. I didn't get that neutral field uh, comment. We saw this weekend when LSU played Texas. I mean, they're not historic rivals, but two great programs going after it. How great that can be. And it's just a shame. I mean, these this is a bigger rivalry than that, but when you have two great programs going after you get good good games and the rivalry can continue. Yeah. Yeah, it's really uh, a shame that this is the last one. I know some people are actually happy it's over. Uh, which is odd to me. I am all about in-state rivals. I've heard Pitt people say it. I've heard Penn State people say it. I don't know if they're just drinking uh, Franklin Kool-Aid or what, or they're just tired of Penn State fans, but there are people who are relieved, which is uh, absurd to me because if you are schools this large in any state in the union, you should be playing each other. And the only states, yeah. the only states could, that could, should have excuses for their bigger universities maybe not playing each other are the states of California, Florida, and Texas because those are so dang big that and they're they have different conferences within those states that you know sometimes it won't work out every single year. But they even manage it better than we do here in Pennsylvania, where the two biggest universities are not even going to be playing each other for. Who knows how long after after Saturday? 
Well, and Pitt or uh, Penn State and Temple aren't playing each other either. They did play each other for a number of years, and then we remember well, a few years ago Temple beat them. Well, yeah, they did play, and it was usually on a you know a three for one kind of deal. Mm-hmm, but uh, the one time they went to it was at the link, I believe. Penn yeah. State beat them. I mean, Temple yeah. beat them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're they're afraid of of this kind of competition. I guess is what I'll say. And, you know, I'll, I'll get heat on it and saying like, oh, they beat, they beat them the past couple of years. Well, you know, it's still a hard fought rivalry game, you know, regardless of what anybody wants to say, uh, it, it's going to be a, a tough game that, that you got to be concerned about. And they're outside of, you know, the state of Pennsylvania, they're not going to get much respect for winning that game. Uh, so the risk of losing is, is, you know, just too great. It's, it's not worth the risk. It's better to, to just play a, a nobody. Well, because look at the year Pitt beat them. Yeah. They were up there in contention. Yeah. Right. They, they were, they, if they would have won, there's a good chance they would have made the play. Yeah. And, but they and, didn't. and they did not remember that forever, but also they remember they play in a dumb conference where it's a conference full of excuses and crying and and whining and when they've got all that going on within their own conference it's easy to see why penn state doesn't want any after this year and uh hopefully we uh pick can leave them with a bad taste in their mouth um you know i'm not going to uh i'm not going to predict this one i'm just going to say hail to pit and uh we got this i, I don't want to I can't bring myself to uh, think logically right now, Pam. So I'm just going to say we got this either way. It's going to be much better than last year's game. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's all sit out on a prediction and just just hope for the best because Um, it can't get any worse than last year's game. Last year's was horrific, both the weather, the cold in September, and just the product on the field was an absolute disaster. So I do think it's going to be a very, very close game, and that's why Pitt – needs to keep it tight with like like you called it the Ohio game some slop out yeah. there. They need to tighten up the the penalties and their stupid mental mistakes and they'll be okay. Yeah, I'll go back to that first half. There were some horrible special teams disasters and just some, you know, couple crucial plays where, where they didn't convert and then in the second half, you know, immediately losing the field position battle and you know, I don't often say it hasn't been often we've been able to say that that a Pat Narduzzi team quit in a game, but I feel like that last year was one of the few times in the second half where that's actually happened, and I, I don't think we'll see that again. And I think the Panthers are going to come out really fired up and take it to them right from the jump, punch him in the mouth, and uh, hey, you can't hold anything back. Last time Pitt plays Penn State. For the foreseeable future, big noon kickoff. I'm so ready. Uh, I'm I I I can't even contain the hype uh, anymore. So maybe we should move on to the rest of the show, Pam. Before I do say something, I'm going to regret. And, and maybe let we could go into what other people are saying about it because I I've, I've I've said enough before I start getting real mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> yeah, if you think we're bad, you know, p- people around uh, around the city are, are even worse. And I can't wait to find out what they're saying. Another Saturday coming, and the Panthers are playing. Time to find out what the answers are saying. Boy, I'll 
tell you, I hate Penn State fans so much. I'd rather leave downtown heading towards the Squirrel Hill Tunnel at 4 o'clock on a Friday than talk to a Penn State fan. Oh, you know, I, I'd rather just drink out of the mon rather than eat at one of them dumps down there on that Atherton Avenue thing they got there. All them places are so gross. I'm telling you, I would, I, I'll go drink here out of, out of out of the bar toilet before I go eat in one of them places. <laughs> oh, that's nothing. I, I, I'd rather have strep throat and be thrown in a jagger bush before I sit in that erector set they call stadium. Oh, that's dangerous sitting in there. I'm not even going, you know. I'm sitting here, right here. I'm this very bar stool watching. And you know what? I also, I think I'd rather talk to a politician than listen to when them Penn State fans talk about attendance and success with honor and Joe Pa and all that. You know, at least a politician might be a little honest compared to them. Hail to pit. But the answers are safe. So that's what the Inzers are saying. Uh, you know, wise man once said, if you have hate in your heart, let it out. Uh, and that's what this week's all about. Uh, but there is some other big stuff happening uh, around the country in the college football world, Alan. And we're going to get right to it here. Oh, college football. Don't you dare be sour. And can we all agree that the Trojans are back? Who wants to kiss the Trojan? Yes, fight on. USC looking real tough, real mean, real good, even with a freshman quarterback. I'm so hyped for the Trojans. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to the most outside of Pitt, Penn State. They got to keep it up because uh, Lynn Swan's no longer the athletic director and Clay Houghton every week seems to be fighting for his job. But USC has been impressive with uh, the freshman quarterback. They do have a tough test against BYU uh, this this week. Yeah, Southern Cal favored by four in this game right now at the Westgate. Um, I, I I like Southern Cal here, although I, I'm not as impressed of that win over Stanford uh, because Stanford's quarterback, KJ Costello, did not play in that game. Um, and, and, you know, BYU, you know, had a, a big overtime victory over Tennessee. Now they're coming back across the country. Uh, I think it's a letdown game for them, but uh, so I think Southern Cal could come out with a victory here. But I'm still, I'm still holding my uh, my expectations. Kadon Slovis, SC didn't play with their starting quarterback either, Vince, and they look good. And I, I'm, I'm hoping for the pac 12 sake, USC can uh, and Clay Helton's can uh, keep this going. That's fun. That's fun to keep an eye on. But in the ACC, where if it means more in the SEC then it means the most in the ACC where conference games don't even count towards your record. Yeah, this, this is something rather unique. Uh, Wake Forest uh, taking on North Carolina in a non-conference game between <laughs> conference opponents. Uh, they're on opposite sides, uh, opposite divisions in the conference. Uh, you know, two schools in the same state. Uh, so and they don't play each other every year uh, because of the uh, the crossover opponents. North Carolina, I believe, plays North Carolina State. That's their main crossover opponent. Um, so you know, uh, unlike Pitt and Penn State, here two schools that are in the same state said we don't even care if if the conference won't schedule us, we're going to just do it ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of the opposite. 
Wake Forest is a three-point favorite against North Carolina. Both teams are unbeaten. Yeah, Mac Brown, uh, some good wins What a here. story. What a story, Mac Brown, coming out of retirement. To- Alan, you didn't think Mac Brown was going to be doing very much this year, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, getting, I'm still nervous. I'm this- still nervous. I picked Pitt to beat North Carolina. I said definitively on this podcast, this is going to be the year. Now with Mac Brown back, I'm not sure. They North Carolina has a freshman quarterback, too, who's done really well. Very impressive. Uh, so I actually think, despite the fact that this is a conference, but not a non-conference game or a non-conference game, it's very confusing. Should this even be allowed? Yeah, I love it. Two teams that want to play each other, let them play. Let them play and let Mac dance. <laughs> I'm very scared of North Carolina right now. What a story that is. That's one of the uh, another fun story in college football. Just like the you know USC Helton watch uh, Mac Brown doing his thing, and then of course uh, you know the. The, the the baddest uh the baddest team in all of the land Clemson taking on Syracuse some say that's their kryptonite I highly doubt that'll be the case this week Vince yeah Sy- Syracuse has not been good they got uh, that Maryland game I was so disappointed I mean they struggled against Liberty Hugh Fury's coached from a hospital bed in the press box or something up in the sky. And <laughs> and then they got blown out by Maryland. And I'm a big Dino Babers fan, but I'm disappointed. I think Clemson is going to go into the Carrier Dome and just smoke them. Yeah, it, it's it's a, uh, a Saturday night primetime game. Uh, the first time in a long time there. Uh, and it just does not look good. For Syracuse, they, it looks like they're going to get blown out. And just just a real quick production note, shout out. The, the Pretty Easy Podcast crew deleted me saying Texas A&M would win last week, right? That didn't make the episode, did it? <laughs> was that actually in uh, the episode? I hope not. Uh, I think it is. It. I definitely think it is where you were very confident that A&M because before that, you were perfect in college football picks. So I think you only have one loss. So we let that slide. Yeah, it was only one. Forget about that. How about uh, Florida's one loss to Kentucky in like a million years? Are they going to lose again to the Wildcats? That rematch is going to be exciting. UK lost tons of players, so I don't think anybody expects them to do it again this year. But if it happened, that would be the biggest shame to the Florida Gators. I think yeah. people people would get fired if that happened again this year. Well, isn't Kentucky's quarterback yeah, hurt? hurt. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm not a big Felipe Franks guy. I don't think he's going to be. Uh, he just hasn't looked that great. Um, but I think Florida's defense um, without Kentucky's quarterback, I think, I mean, even with them, I think Florida's defense may carry them here. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Yeah. Very under, low scoring. Under the total, you're saying. Yeah. I don't even know what the total is. Points. Is it really? Yeah. I would probably do under. I just think Florida's defense is that nasty, and they can't get anything going offensively, but Kentucky is just struggling, especially without their starter. And the last game here on our list of games to watch, Vince, looks like the uh, Iowa-Iowa State game, Hawkeyes minus two. should be. It's supposed to be a good year for both teams, right? Yeah, yeah. And Pam, this is your game here. Uh, college game day is going to be in town. First time ever in Ames, Iowa uh, to to for the host Iowa State. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of feel-good stories talked about on this. I, at the college game day, it's probably going to be more exciting than the actual game. 
for this one. Well, Iowa uh, State has those two really good defensive linemen, so that yeah, could be that, really that's I, I I'm picking Iowa State in this Same. game. Uh, I, I, I can't too. believe Iowa is you know this game open to run a pick them, and, and I I guess some. Some some sharps are on Iowa here. I just don't see it. Well, I also think Iowa State in their first game against Northern Iowa yeah. looked very bad. They had to go to one or two overtimes yeah. to win. Um, so I think that still uh, is a little tough for people to swallow yeah. there. And yeah. their offense isn't – Iowa State has – under Matt Campbell has made a commitment to defense in the Big 12, something that's rare. But that's where they're going to get their bread and butter yeah. here. they got an outstanding linebacking crew as well. And uh, they had a whole week off last week to prepare. Uh, so they are going to be fired up uh, for, for this game. I think they're going to win it. Yeah, so with a week where there are no you know huge top 25 showdowns, this is, leaves all the room for Pitt to steal the spotlight when it comes to college football on a national level, level uh, Vincent Pam. Th- this is... This is not the official big noon kickoff, but this is the big noon kickoff. It's all on the Panthers this week. They're taking over. The college football universe will be talking about Pat Narduzzi this week. Let's get it. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Big noon kickoffs and hopefully a big upset. Shock the world. Shock it, baby. All right, I'm ready. We got college football set up. And, of course, uh, Pitt Penn State is uh, all ready to go. So hopefully you're ready. Hopefully you're hyped. Pit fans and let us know your predictions for the game if you could stomach to make one we kind of couldn't we're just hype and feel good for Pitt better than we did uh, I think all la- going into last year's game last time hundredth time and maybe last time at H2P show on Twitter and Instagram holler at us anytime there and uh, we will get the conversation rolling all week long and of course uh, we'll be back next week so make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't already on any podcast platform uh, yeah all right all my notes here are checked off I'm ready to uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna yell some things that I shouldn't say on the microphone as soon as I turn mine off so I'm just gonna leave it at hail to pit hail to pit Hail to Pitt. Beat Penn State. Living in your radio.